You are listening to the Ingenious Podcast, where God's word is shared to build undisputed champions and mighty redeemers. This message is brought to you by the Ingenious Network. Enjoy the message. Welcome once again. Um, this is the journey upwards, and we are looking at a new theme for this month and this week. And this this time around, we are talking about their call to ministry or doing the work of ministry or the work of ministry so the focus for the month is going to be the work of ministry the focus for the month is going to be the work of ministry now remember we've talked about three core phases we've talked about the journey upward we've talked about living the uncommon life and now we are talking about the work of ministry. Our anchor scripture is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. In the book of Ephesians, the Bible says that, oh, let, let's go back to verse 12. Let's do verse 12. Let's do 12 and 10. Okay, it's there. So when we start from the verse 11, when we start reading Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it talks about God gave apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors. Then it comes to the verse 12. It says that for the perfecting of the saints, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry to the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, why is it important? It is important because we've talked about the uncommon journey. We've talked about the uncommon life. We are talk- we've talked about embracing the uncommon and in, and whilst we were talking about embracing and common, one of the points we did make was that whenever you hear the word uncommon in scripture or whenever you hear the word holy in the scriptures, what it is actually referring to is the uncommon life. Because everything that is not holy in the sight of God is called common. So the things that are not holy are not sinful no the opposite of not being holy is being common so in other words being uncommon is being holy now there's in the translation in the new testament there's this word that uh, has been translated as the saint as we are reading in the verse 12 that the perfecting of the saints the word saints there is the word hagios H-A-G-I-O-S, Hagios. But when you look at the meaning of Hagios, one of the, 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 the core meaning of Hagios is, is the holy ones. The holy ones. So what it means is that after we have embraced the uncommon life, what we become is the holy ones. We become what is literally translated as the saints. So, 
the, the, the scripture is drawing our attention in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 to the fact that after we have been saved, the focus of the Spirit concerning us who have become uncommon is for the work of the ministry to help you bring each and every individual that has been born again, bought and purchased and ransomed with the blood of Jesus to bring that person to the place where that person is engaged in the work of the ministry. So when we say ministry, ministry is not to the pastors. Ministry is not to the apostles. Ministry is not to um, what we call the, the, the teachers or the evangelists. When we say ministry, ministry is to every believer. Ministry is to every believer. But you see, before you can do ministry, there are certain key things we have to understand in the process of doing the work of ministry. Now, we are going to explore various sub-themes in relation to doing the work of ministry or the work of the ministry but today our focus is going to be on knowing him doing the work of ministry starts with knowing jesus doing the work of ministry starts with knowing jesus why let us open our bibles to john's gospel chapter 6 verses 28 and 29 john's gospel chapter 6 verses 28 and 29 and as we are reading john's gospel chapter 8 what we come to realize especially in verse 9 is that the bible says that jesus did many works in the city and the people came to ask jesus how can we do the works of god because you know when i talk to you about doing the work of ministry one of the immediate things that comes to our mind is working miracles, is healing the sick, is raising the dead, the works of God, doing what Jesus did. That is the work of ministry, casting out demons. But actually, Jesus actually tells us that that is not the beginning point for doing the work of ministry. So in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 28 and 29, especially in verse number 29, he says that the people came and said, how can we do the works of God? And Jesus replied and said that the work of God is this. This is the work of God. This is the work of God. That you believe on him who he sent. This is the work of God, that you believe on him, the one he has sent. So when we talk about doing the work of ministry, you cannot just start by saying that I am born again, so I I am going to do ministry. You have to start from the first point. And the first point is, do you believe in the one whom he sent now the default answer is yes because if you don't believe that jesus is the son of god you cannot actually be born again 
so it actually requires you to believe that jesus is the son of god who came to die for our sins in order for you to be born again and to be filled with the spirit but you see knowing jesus is not just about believing on jesus it's about living in the conviction of your belief it's about living in the conviction of your belief why am i saying this um we are just doing the we are laying the foundations right so you have to understand that ministry is given by jesus ministry is given by jesus so if you don't know him how can he give you ministry ministry is given by jesus how do we know this in the acts of the apostles chapter 20 verse 24 apostle paul in talking about his life says that it was jesus that gave him the work of ministry it was jesus he said that in this ministry that i received of the lord jesus and he was talking about running the course finishing his race running his course in joy and then he's saying that i want to do well and finish well because this ministry was given to me by jesus can we see act act chapter 20 verse 24 it says that jesus gave him the ministry but none of these things move me nor do i count my life dear to myself so that i may finish my race with joy and the ministry which i received from the lord jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of God. So he's talking about not respecting his life, being able to put his life on the line. Why? Because he has received a ministry from the Lord Jesus. Then let's also read one of the popular ones that we know. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. It says that say to Archippus say to Archippus pay attention to the ministry which you have received in the Lord make sure you fulfill it say to Archippus pay heed pay attention give diligence to the ministry that you have received in the Lord that you will fulfill it and that is first timothy chapter 1 verse 12. so the point i'm trying to make is that ministry is not an instrumentation of man you cannot force yourself to do ministry if you force yourself into ministry you will fail ministry would have to be given to you by jesus okay so i what what version is it amplified is that i give thanks to him who has granted me the needed strength and made me able for this christ jesus our lord because he has judged and counted me faithful and trustworthy appointing me to this stewardship of 
the ministry. So you cannot force yourself into ministry. Ministry is given by the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you don't know him, how can he give you a ministry? If somebody might say, but I've already given my life to Jesus. Does it? Does that not count? Yes, it counts. But you see that being born again is just the first process in a long relationship. And that relationship that you and I are trying to build, you have to invest time and effort into it. So it means that when we say that somebody is doing the work of ministry, the credibility that you have when we say that you are doing the work of ministry is based on the fact that God sent you to go and do it. God sent you to go and do it. How do we know this? When we read Romans chapter 10, especially verses 14 and 15, actually Romans chapter 10 talks about, you know, how can they believe if they don't hear? How can, how can they hear if a preacher is not sent? So uh, ministry, your, the credibility of your ministry is not in the fact that you are able to organize a conference and you fill auditoriums and you work miracles and people are excited about the things that you are doing. No, the, 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 the authenticity or the credibility that heaven allots to you in the ministry that he has given you comes from the fact that you have been sent by God. He said, how then shall they call on him in whom they have, they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except that they be sent? You see, so he says that as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So you have to be sent. You have to be sent. Does it mean that to be sent, does it mean that you have to be sent as a pastor, a prophet? No. Ministry is diverse. There's so many. Sometimes even your career can be a ministry. Your marriage can be a ministry. Raising children can be a ministry. Choosing to become a house husband or a housewife can be a ministry. Because the Lord is asking you to do it. So how do we know that we are sent? We know that we are sent because after the resurrection of Jesus in Mark's gospel, chapter 15, when you read verses 15 to 16, it tells us that we have been sent to go and preach and to teach. When you read Mark's gospel, chapter 15, verses 15 and 16, it tells us that we have been sent to go and preach. When we read Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, he says, Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 16, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 16, he says that we have been sent, we have been sent. So, and also in Matthew's gospel 28, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So don't say that then I have, I have not heard the voice of God. I have not seen a vision. An angel has not come to visit me. No, we are already sent. He said that go, he said to us, 
go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature so we have been sent to go and preach matthew's gospel chapter 28 verses 18 to 20 also tells us that all authority or all power is given unto christ powers in the heavens and the earth and he says that we should go and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the spirit so we are sent so these are the marching orders for ministry now go and preach then is the work of the ministry but how we will go and preach are manifested in diverse ways in diverse ways but before we talk about the diverse ways we we want to pay attention to knowing him knowing jesus because that is the basis of the ministry it is knowing him that will entrench us in the calling it is knowing him that will keep us established in the calling it is knowing him that will keep us motivated in the calling it is only knowing christ that we can get the 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 desired energy to press on despite the fact that as the apostle paul will put it we are we are killed all day long so let's read john's gospel chapter 20 verse 31 john's gospel chapter 20 verse 31 in john's gospel chapter 20 verse 31 the, the jesus is is about to leave the earth and he's saying that everything that has been written in the scripture is written that we might believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that we believe him you see the believing there is my is my stressing point the believing is present continuous that and that believing he might have life through his name so it means that it is not just about i have believed in the past no it is about believing that to do the work of ministry you have to find yourself in the place where you are believing god every day now when i'm saying believing god it is not like like in expectation of a miracle where we say oh we believe that god will make a way no but we are talking about that process where you are in continuous faith the believing here is referring to that process where you are in continuous faith because he said that it is in this believing that we will have life through his name it is in this believing that we will have life through his name so how does it happen i just want to share a couple of things that the holy spirit shared with me then we will go the work of ministry is his work not our work the work of ministry is god's work not our work remember how in ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 he says that he has prepared good works for us to walk in he prepared the good works for us to walk in so the work of the ministry is god's work not our work that's the first point i want to make right now in talking about knowing jesus 
and because the ministry why are we emphasizing that to do the work of ministry you have to know jesus that is because you have to understand the dispensation that we are in in the days of the of the of the prophets and the patriarchs they were in another dispensation in the days of the patriarchs like in where we talk about noah adam and all those people they were living in the days where god the father himself was interacting with them right then in the days of the prophet they were preparing israel to receive the messiah who is jesus died jesus has paid the price in what we call the new in the new covenant or in the new testament dispensation the focus of god is the building of a body for jesus christ so everything that we are laboring for in this new era it's all concerning the body of christ it's all concerning the church of christ and so in order to do the work you have to know the person for whom the work belongs and there are a lot of people that are doing ministry without knowing the one to whom the work belongs so when we look into our in our terrain we will see all manner of people who are one they are called by god two they are anointed by god but three because they have not known christ the work of the ministry that they are doing is characterized by this deed. it is character it, it, it has it has imputed this honor to the name of jesus and it is not because they were not called it is not because they are not anointed it is only because they don't know the one to whom the work belongs to ministry is for god it's for jesus and he is the only one that gives it out so if he gives you the work and you don't go to him for him to direct you in how to do the work you are bound to mess up you are bound to mess up so how do we know this jesus we know jesus only by revelation jesus can only be known by revelation have you not heard how when we go to we listen to seminarians or we go to people who've gone to bible schools or universities that that study bible we we have what we call old testament scholars and we have what we call new testament scholars but these people they claim that they are atheists they don't believe in god that is because they believe that jesus is like any other uh, historical figure out there that he was just a man who lived such uh, an honorable life that men decide decided to make him a deity so we have people who can quote um, um matthew chapter 1 to revelation chapter 22 but yet they don't believe in jesus they know everything about his life they can give you the the root words that explain who he is but they don't know him and that is because we've come to find that jesus can only be known by revelation remember what happened in matthew's gospel chapter 16 while jesus was in caesarea philippi he said that flesh and blood peter did not reveal this to you but my father that is in heaven so jesus can only be known by revelation 
and also this revelation which is a, a, a revelation is what is interpreted as a disclosure a revealing a disclosure and when we say a disclosure we are talking about something that is that is hidden that is revealed so a revelation is a disclosure of a knowledge that is not to the common person so the person of jesus when we are talking about knowing jesus we are talking about knowing his person knowing his person knowing his position and knowing his influence knowing his person knowing his position and knowing his influence revelation is is born out of seeking god a revelation is born out for or let, let me put it this way revelation is given to a heart that seeks god and and in that in a in an atmosphere of worship revelation is given to a heart that is seeking god in an atmosphere of worship time will not permit me to go through a lot of the things i've written but i would have shown you how from the old testament to the new testament all those that encountered god encountered god by revelation i'm going to leave the generation of adam out starting from adam to um noah if i leave them out and i start the story from the patriarch you realize that in genesis chapter 12 verse 1 the bible the first time we hear about abraham the bible says that the lord appeared to him the lord appeared to him when you continue in the generations after abraham you realize that god kept appearing to people and he kept appearing to people in diverse ways in various manners in through various mediums we realize that we realize that knowing him is going to come by revelation with a seeking heart and in an atmosphere of worship so how is that going to happen one the first place that is going to start is through the word we are going to know him by revelation through the word there are so many scriptures that we can quote concerning the word second timothy chapter 2 verse 15. second timothy chapter 2 verse 15. what does it say apostle paul is advising his son timothy and what he tells him is that be diligent to the word be diligent in the word be diligent in the word it is your diligence in the word that will show that god approves of you so he says that steady and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to god approved tested by trial a workman who has no cause 
to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. So if you are going to know this Jesus, you have to labor in the word. You have to study. Let's ask ourselves, all of us that are listening, when was the last time you spent 30 minutes in your Bible, one hour in your Bible? Do you even have a Bible that can help you to study the word? Some of us, we read a memory verse and after that we say the Lord's Prayer. We have read our Bible for the day. It says that steady and be eager to present yourself approved of God. We don't know Jesus because we are not studying his word. I can guarantee that many people on this platform, at least 70% of the people on this platform, if we tell them that you are supposed to engage in a debate with somebody from the other religion, they will run away. Do you know why? Because they don't know the word. They haven't studied. They don't know who Jesus is. Now remember what we read from John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 29. Everything is concerning Jesus, that we will believe in Jesus. So that the study of the word is to help us in the believing process. The studying of the word is supposed to keep us in continuous faith. But many of us have abandoned the study of the word. And when we read John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 31 also, we know what it said. That these things are written that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing we might have life through his name. So the things that are written is to help us to believe in Jesus. It is concerning Jesus. But now that you are not reading, how are you supposed to know this Jesus to go and do his work? So it's like one day I went to the barracks and at 6 p.m. the flags, the flags were being lowered and I'd never lived in the barracks and I didn't know that at 6 p.m. <laughs> when the flags are being lowered, nothing moves in the barracks. And in fact, five minutes to six o'clock, whatever you are doing, you have to do it in preparation to stand still. And I was walking when the flag was being loaded. Hey, that day, I was there and I saw one big man <laughs> approach me and say, young man, stand there. Can't you hear the national anthem? I stood still. After that, he said, come here. Oh, my God. That day I said, I, I said it in my head. Oh God, don't let them take me to the guard room. <laughs> and anytime that the, the man was going to was telling me something, I'll say that uh, I thought, I thought. He said that hey, young man, this place we don't do I thought, I thought. <laughs> I understood what he meant. So a lot of people are trying to do the work of ministry. For the person they claim to be serving, who is Jesus Christ, but they don't know anything about this Jesus Christ because they don't know even how in the scripture that how everything is written concerns him. 
we don't know how everything that is written it concerns him we also read in first peter chapter 3 verse 15 that that one is very very interesting in the sense that it has to do with ourselves first peter chapter 3 verse 15 but in your heart set christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as lord always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that is in you but do it courteously and respectfully do it courteously and respect the new king james version but sanctify the lord god in your heart sanctify the lord god in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear so you realize that even by the st- diligent studying of the scripture what you are actually doing is that you are sanctifying the lord in your heart some of us the lord is not sanctified in us we don't have that faith we don't believe in jesus and we cannot give a logical answer to why we believe in jesus you think it's okay but it is not okay it is not okay that you've been serving god for five years for six years for 10 years for 15 years you've been going to sunday school from the time that you could spell till now and when they tell you to give us the reason for your hope you cannot give us a logical answer and you run to the simple answer that oh it is by faith who told you it is only by faith give us the reason why it is by faith take us through the scripture from genesis to revelation espouse the scripture expand the scripture quote scriptures point us to scriptures give us readings let us know why you believe in jesus if you don't know how everything that is you see even the disciples that were with him for three years after his resurrection the bible says that for 40 days he had to teach them how the scripture was still about him so a lot of us are rushing to do things and we we don't have a reason to defend our faith so to know jesus we have to get back to the scripture a lot of the madness that we are witnessing in our time is because we see a lot of people that are not reading the scripture the second thing that we can do to know him is to hear the word of christ romans 10 tells us that when we hear the word of christ faith is built in our heart when we hear the word of christ they we I'm, i'm not saying that hear the bible i'm saying that what i'm saying is that hear the word of christ the hearing of the word of christ that is how we will know him that is how we will know him hearing the word of christ what when we come to romans chapter 10 the apostle paul spends time to starting from verse 5 he says that 
for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. So you see, the hearing of the word of Christ is about the righteousness of faith. It's about the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way that you do not say in your heart who will ascend into the heavens or who will descend into the heaven into the abyss or the the, uh, the the earth or the regions of the dead. But what it says in it says in verse 8 that, that the word is near you, it is in your mouth, it is in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So this word of Christ is the word that is near you. It is the word that is in your heart. It is the word that we preach. That is the word of faith. So the hearing of the word of Christ. And he says that for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says that whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And that is where we talked about that we need somebody that is sent. We need somebody that is sent. You, you have to understand that a lot of people are hearing, but what they are hearing is not the word of Christ. You see, to hear the word of Christ, you have to be able to clearly distinguish between the law and the gospel of grace. You have to be able to give coherent explanation to the old covenant and the new covenant that is the word that you must hear when you expose yourself to hearing the words of the new covenant and the tenets of the new covenant and what it entails it leads to the building of faith so you must hear and this hearing is not something that you hear and you and you you say i listened to it last week it is we are talking about continuous hearing continuous hearing continuous hearing now this afternoon i was sharing something with my wife about um, a revelation i got through meditation you know i was uh, one of the things that i've been I've been really thinking about for over over months. being the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's the one thing. We, that's the one thing we've been we've been. I've been really 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 thinking about my body being the temple of the Holy Spirit and what it means. So, yesterday whilst I was meditating on that aspect of what it means for my body to be the temple of the holy spirit the holy spirit just gave me a scenario and he asked me a question if you see a house that is wretched wretched house sitting somewhere on a piece of land 
and a wealthy person a billionaire says that i want this house and he goes out to buy that house what will happen to that house can we get an answer on the page what will happen to that house what will happen to that house what do you think will happen can you type your answer what what what, what, what do you think will happen when a house that is torn apart beat down and a wealthy person says that i like this house renovation so what what, what is someone else saying it will be revamped what is somebody else saying i want to see your comments i want to see your comments those that are not typing are you here what will happen to that house it will be made fresh it's all it's like only it's my wife and francis that are commenting it will be rebuilt it will be made new so imagine that you and i our body is the temple of the holy spirit our body is wretched our body is torn apart and the god of heaven the creator of all things says that i desire this house i desire to live in you and he goes ahead to pay the price to make your body his own and he comes to live in it how can your life be the same so it, if you tell me then that you have given your life to christ and since you gave your life to christ you have never seen any improvement in your life then we have to question whether you have really given yourself to christ because this wealthy man will not come and buy that house that he wants to stay in and say that i will live in it just as it is it cannot happen so it cannot be that you are a secular and the lord who has said that i don't i don't like anything that is defective to come into my presence he will come and dwell in your body and your body will still be sickly that your mind that is not working will still not be working that your life that is that is some way will continue to be some way when the creator of the universe who has all knowledge and all wisdom comes to dwell in you there must be significant changes in fact the house will be built to the point that a passerby will see that wow what money can do so in fact if we give ourselves to him then what implies is that when he we, we truly commit our lives to him he comes to dwell he dwell in us the testimony of onlookers should be that wow this is what god can do this is what god can do so knowing him it, it, it means that we have to give ourselves to continual hearing the word of christ not the law but the word of christ the word of christ it is very important because if you don't hear the word of christ guilt shame and condemnation it will ruin your work with god I will come to that point later on. The third thing that we have to labor in is concerning the art of worship. To know God, we must we must be conversant with the art of worship. We must have skill in worship. A lot of us, the only time when we talk about worship, the only thing that we we that comes to our mind is singing songs singing songs is, is just an aspect of worship when you read the gospel he says that and a man came bowing down he worshipped him and said that if thou canst when you read matthew's gospel chapter eight if you can please make me whole 
he came to worship so worship worship is important a lot of christians don't know the skill of worship we don't have that skill that skill that is able to bring us revelation i always say that one of my favorite psalms is psalm 73 and in psalm 73 as asaph contemplates asaph is the head musician in the tabernacle of david he's the chief choir master in the tabernacle of david and he's thinking about his life and he's thinking about how bad his life is how unpleasant his life is how how unfair god has been to him because he's been serving god with all his heart all his life but all he sees is non-progress he sees challenges he sees diseases he sees the wicked tribe the the wicked prosper he sees the wicked He, he he even goes on to make a point that it's as if sickness does not like the wicked because they never get sick and they live long and the person that is living right for god he dies of sickness and he does not live long but you know something he says that then i entered into his sanctuary and i saw their end because what was going on what sanctuary did asaph enter in he entered into the tabernacle of david it was the place where the worship of God was going on 24 hours a day. It was the place where the unceasing praise of God was sung 24 hours a day. It was, it was the place where gratitude to God was expressed 24 hours a day. So you realize that when you come to the Old Testament and the epistles and the writings of the apostles, one of the things that they keep emphasizing is that with a grateful heart, with a heart of gratitude, with a thankful heart, let us bless God, let us pray to God. Every time they are asking us to do it with a thankful heart, that is the the art and the skill of worship. Can you lose your job and thank God that you just lost your job? As long as you know that it's not because of something negligent that you did. That as long as you carried out your duties and fulfilled it as was required of you and you were, you were let go. Can you, can you just say thank you, Lord? That even though I've been let go today, I am thankful that their reason for letting me go was not because I did anything wrong. But it's just because they just wanted to do that. And if it is because they, they, they sent me away because of my faith in you or because, because of my presence, certain corrupt practices could not go on. So they have to let me go. I thank you. Can, can, can we build, develop that art? When was the last time you thank God that you didn't get the school that you wanted to go or the job that you didn't you always dreamed of getting and you didn't get when was the last time that you thank god that that trip that you were so eager to go you missed it (laughs) the art of worship the bible says in john's gospel chapter 4 there's the samaritan woman says that they say that in jerusalem is the place of worship jesus says that no a time is coming in fact now is that time where we will neither worship in Jerusalem or in this place because it is the time where we will worship God in the spirit and in truth. The skill of worship is the skill of worshiping God in the spirit because everything about your life is seen from the perspective of the spirit. We can give various scriptures concerning that 
first chronicles chapter 29 verse 11 talks about the greatness of our god first chronicles chapter 29 verse 11 talks about the greatness of our god i want to read that one because it's one of the ones whilst i was reading that i came across that i truly liked yours O lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours yours is the kingdom O lord and yours it is to be exalted as head over all you see when i read this scripture immediately colossians 1 chapter 16 17 and 18 it made sense to me it made sense to me how he says that all things were made through him and for him john's john's gospel chapter one it made sense to me in the book of revelation it talks about all power all glory all honor belonging to god it made sense to me all of a sudden the scripture started falling in place for it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on things, things seen and things unseen whether thrones dominion rulers authorities all things were created and exist through him by his service and intervention and in him and for him so when, when you begin to worship that is the kind of mentality that forms in your heart and in your mind and this god that created all things who is the head of all principalities and powers the god to whom the kingdom belongs he is your god he is not only your god he is your lord he is not only your lord he is your senior brother <laughs> he's not only your senior brother he is your your messiah your 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 deliverer you really know that there's no point in 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 worrying about a lot of things uh, one of my favorite ones is also nabuchadnezzar's encounter in daniel's gospel chapter 4 verse 37 after he had been turned into an animal and he had been restored back to his senses he says that now i know now i know that the god of heaven that he is god that he is the one to whom all nations all languages all peoples should worship daniel 4 37 and you realize that if you don't have an atmosphere of worship you cannot know god in fact worship is the best place for revelation worship is the best that's why even the apostles and the prophet they say sometimes that the sound give me the sound the sound makes a difference for revelation is that now I and Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the king of heaven whose works are all faithful and right and whose ways are just and those who walk in pride he's able to abase and humble hmm. if you don't have this atmosphere you cannot know this Jesus now the other one I'm talking about is the devotion to prayer the devotion to prayer First Thessalonians 5.17 tells us that we should pray without season. Pray without season, it says. 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says that we should not worry about anything, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, we should make our needs known to God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says that praying with all kinds of prayer. Beloved, to know Jesus is going to take prayer. A lot of us are not praying. The only time some people can pray is when we are praying in a group. Um, and, and, and you see, that is why a lot of people are, are, are also struggling because they are not praying by themselves when they come to a platform like this where you have put up a poster that says that teaching service. They say that, no, we shouldn't do teaching. The teaching is too long. We should pray. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a teaching service. It's a teach. We need something to help build our faith. It is teaching that brings transformation. Prayer will, will, will bring power for impact. But teaching will bring transformation and renewing of mind. So you, we have to pray. We have to pray. And especially praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues by ourselves. James, the, James chapter 3 says that praying in the Holy Ghost, building our most holy faith. You have to pray in the Spirit by yourself. The Bible says in the Gospels, Jesus waking up before, in the early hours of the morning, he went away into the mountains to pray. Some, some of you, you must develop a mountain in the corner of your bed. That when you wake up, you will just gather the pillows in one corner and push yourself in that corner. Cover yourself with your blanket and you will pray. And as you pray, the Lord will be gracious and Jesus will reveal himself to us. Prayer will also bring revelation. The last one I'm going to talk about is that we have to relish or relive our encounters with god and with the holy spirit we have to learn to relive our encounters with god and holy spirit how are we going to do that uh the, the book of habakkuk chapter 2 verses 2 and 3 says that write down the vision write down the dream write down what the word that your your mind inspired you to 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 take with you for the day write it down write it down we have to learn to relive these encounters with the holy spirit the apostle paul always found a way to go back to his damascus encounter and how god saved him the apostle john found a way to go back to his encounter with jesus from the book of revelation he wrote it down you see if you fail to write down the revelations and the visions and the words that the holy spirit is bringing to you you will lose touch with god sometimes you will think that you can remember but you can't remember you will lose the details over time but if you write down as detailed as possible you can always open that book and remember ah i had this dream oh i had this vision oh i had this prophecy oh i had this word you see even five days we've been doing i prophesy 
ask yourself some of the prophecies that you receive did you write it down did you capture the details of the message that was given to you or all you heard was that the lord said he will he will help you write it down that is how we know him we go back to that encounter we go back to that place where we first met him how did you give your life to christ what did you hear to give your life do you remember some of you if i ask you how you gave what word did you hear to give your life to christ you don't even remember you don't even remember when you gave your life to christ you don't some people don't even remember the circumstances under which they gave their lives to christ do you know right it is because it wasn't precious to them they didn't write it down they didn't capture the moment in our world we talk about making memories by taking pictures for us as believers the way we take pictures is by writing down the communications of god to our lives the encounters he gave us so when you read the book of revelation you see that the apostle john is commanded write the things that you are seeing and the things that you are hearing write it down write it down so that i want to say this then uh, uh we will praise one then we close what does knowing jesus do for us with regards to doing the work of ministry what does jesus knowing jesus do remember the centurion in matthew's gospel chapter 8 verses 5 to 13. when the man saw jesus heard about jesus stated jesus believed that jesus is who he is when he appeared before jesus now remember i said that jesus is known by revelation by the stories he had heard by the things he had seen by some of the things i believe he had witnessed when he saw jesus he knew jesus as a man of authority so when he came to ask jesus that follow me to my, my i have somebody that is sick so please do something about it for me jesus said that let's go to your house he said no 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 no. there's no need to come to my house there's no need i am a soldier i understand how this works i have somebody who gives me orders by true speech he speaks a word and i obey it and i understand by that principle that you are not a natural person and i from how i've been raised i know that you work with beings you work with spirits you have servants that are doing the things that you do so you you don't go to my house just give the command your servants that are with you they will go and do the things that you are commanded and jesus said that wow <laughs> wow i have never seen a man with this kind of faith in all of israel then he says go your servant is made well because the man understood that angels work with jesus he might not have known that they are angels but he knew that jesus was working with the spirit and so when jesus said go yourself he he knew he knew that the angels or the spirit that were working with him they had gone to do the bidding of their master in that same way in matthew's gospel the bible says that when jesus got to the region of the gergesins 
there were two madmen that were living in the tombs. And because of that, nobody was, was going there. I'm talking about Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Uh, sorry, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 28 to 34. Nobody was able to use that path because of that two men. The demons had hijacked that route. So imagine that if that is the only, the only good route that leads to the town. Because of two people, nobody could use that route. Demons had hijacked it. Jesus said that this is the road I will use. And he said that when they saw Jesus coming, they began to scream, Jesus, son of God, have you come to destroy us before our time? What, they, what were they saying? They, they recognized who Jesus is, knowing that Jesus is the destroyer of evil. So when they saw Jesus, they had every reason to panic because the, 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 the unknowing of Jesus was the knowing of Jesus, the destroyer of evil. So they volunteered. Please, you, we know that you are come to deal with us, but don't take us out of this region. So just send us into these pigs. So he sent them into these pigs. And these two men that have left their home and were living in the cemetery were able to go back to their families. Why? Because the demons recognized Jesus as the destroyer of evil. In that same gospel of Matthew, a paralytic man was brought to Jesus. And the Pharisees said that he has become so because of his sins. So Jesus says that I have forgiven him his sins. And they were, they were incensed. How could Jesus say that? It is only God that can forgive sins. But Jesus says that, okay, just to prove a point, I'm not only going to prove that I have the power to forgive sin, but I also have the power to correct the evil or the error that has occurred because of the sin. So he says that, take up your bed, go home. What is he saying? Those that brought the paralytic man that knew that Jesus was a healer, and they recognize that in the Jewish custom, every 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 disease or every uh, what do you call it? Every chronic disease was attributed to a sin. Every chronic disease was attributed to a sin. So if you were born blind, it's because your mother or your father sinned, or you yourself you sinned, uh, or your grandfather. Or but those that brought Jesus knew that jesus had the power to forgive sins so jesus introduces himself to this paralytic man is that i'm the one that forgives your sins so what is it that you think you've done and what is the consequence of that sin that you think is irreparable i'm here to tell you that it's not true when jesus forgives your sin he's able to repair every damage that came with the error of your ways the other story I, I talk about in the same Gospel of Matthew chapter 9 is the, is the parable of the ruler. This man is a Pharisee. This man, <laughs> this man is actually somebody who teaches the law. He comes because his daughter is dead. And he's come to take Jesus because he doesn't want to bury her daughter. But whilst he has come to take Jesus, another woman too is in the picture. 
And the Bible says, Matthew chapter 9, I'm talking about Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 to 25. Whilst he's taking Jesus to the house, another woman in the picture says that, we call the woman, the woman with the issue of blood. He says that, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I can draw a power that can solve this problem that I've been having for years. So the Pharisee, the ruler, because you see, he's called a ruler because he's part of the Sanhedrin. In Israel in those days, the rulers of the people were the Sanhedrin, 70 leaders that, that, that governed the entire, entire Jewish uh, religion or the Jewish clan or the Jewish faith. He, he leaves his hypocritic friends and says that, I've seen this man raise the dead. You are telling me he's not of God. Me, my daughter is dead. <laughs> if I've heard that he's done it somewhere, he's going to do it in my life. He, he lets go of all his pride and all his, uh, his uh, what do you call it? His connections to his Pharisaic friends. Some of you, because you, are, you belong to a certain society, you deny Jesus. <laughs> Because when you say you, are, you love Jesus in that society, you, you won't get benefits. He forsook them and went to look for Jesus, the giver of life. And that woman with the issue of blood was able to draw power, Jesus, the restorer of life. The restorer of human dignity. Do you know what it means for a rich person? To be made poor because of a disease for all your friends to abandon you that even when you are coming into the midst of the people somebody will have to you have to shout unclean 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 to announce that pe to people that i am an unclean person and i'm coming so please run away from me the loss of dignity some people we have lost dignity because of our experience but jesus is the restorer of dignity so you might have been raped you have been you might have been born out of rape you might have been abused you might have gone through a lot of hardships but jesus is the restorer of dignity it takes revelation to see that we can talk about zacchaeus Jesus, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, Jesus is the friend of the hopeless. He's the friend of the one that nobody likes, where everybody has shunned. Yeah, that's the kind of person he likes. And Zacchaeus knew that Jesus will come. When Jesus sees him, something will happen in his life. He took revelation, so he did everything to see Jesus. How about Mary Magdalene in John's Gospel, chapter 20? Mm. an adulterer caught in the act ready to be stoned to death huh. Jesus said a woman where are your accusers <laughs> huh. Jesus is not an accuser Jesus is a healer Jesus is a, he's a savior so Mary Magdalene encountered him as a savior and because of that the Bible said that he went to get her most expensive perfume, a perfume that could cost a year's wages, 
he poured it on his feet, cleaned it with her hair and her tears. You don't understand what he did for her that day. <laughs> uh, what about the woman at the well in John's Gospel, chapter 4? Even though she had married four people and divorced and was living with another person who was not the husband, Jesus did not care because Jesus wanted her, her life. You see, when you know Jesus from this perspective, it, it, it brings perspective, it brings a mindset to the work of ministry. The work of ministry is about Jesus, and Jesus is all about the people. The reason why he came to die is because of the people. He did not come to exploit the people. He did not come to steal from the people. He did not come to dupe the people. He did not come to make poor those who were already poor. In fact, he says that he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. And so when we know this Jesus, can we, can we have the background music now? Just a little bit faint. When we know this Jesus, what happens is that now we will, will begin to appreciate what the work of ministry is. Some of you, you are here and your heart is beginning to have palpitation. You see that the Spirit of God is drawing you to something, to a need in society, to a deficit in, 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 in the architecture of society. And you, you want to do something, but you're asking yourself, how can I do this? Know Jesus first. You feel like feeding the poor. Know Jesus first. So that Jesus will teach you how to feed the poor. You, you want to build an orphanage and help the homeless. Know Jesus first. And Jesus will show you how to take care of the orphans. Because they are his children. And he will tell you how to take care of his children. You, you want to build a school. Know Jesus first. You want to set up an NGO and, 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 and bring something out that will help people. Know Jesus first. He is calling you to become an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist. Know him first so that he will show you how to go about it. If you don't know Jesus, you will mess up the work. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, people of God. The work of the ministry is all about Him. So if we, we investigate your life and you say that you are doing ministry, and we dig deep, deep, deep down and we cannot find Jesus, then we know that there's an issue. So ask yourself, who should do ministry? We are all called to ministry. Every one of us who is born again, we are called to ministry because we have all been sent to go to preach, to teach, to heal the sick and to cast out devils. But before we step out there, 
we should know Jesus. So the Bible says in the book of Acts, he told them that go into Jerusalem and wait on me. Wait on me until you have received the promised Holy Spirit. So before you step out to do the work of the ministry, wait on Jesus. Wait on him. Wait on him till he reveals himself to you and he shows you his patterns. Because no one person is called to do the same thing. It might be the same work, but our patterns might not be the same. So people of God this evening, you just want to pray a very short prayer. We want to know Jesus. And I've talked about five things that we can do. First, we've established that knowing him can only come by revelation in an atmosphere of worship. And we have also said that ministry is his work, not our work. And we have also said that everybody, every one of us is called to do the work of ministry. And we have also said that doing ministry requires that we know him. That we know him. And knowing him involves knowing his person, his position, and his influence. Knowing Jesus is about knowing his person, his position, and his influence. How can we know this? We can know him by one, through the labors of the word, the study of the Bible, through the hearing of righteousness, the hearing of Christ that builds faith. We can know him in an atmosphere of worship. We can know him when we become devoted to prayer. That means we have to be consistent and persistent in our prayer life. Then we also can know him by reliving the encounters. Capture the moments. Write down the visions. Write down the prophecies. Write down the dreams. It is his work. You want to pray that God help me to know you. Help me to know you. Jesus, help me to know you. Even us, because remember, the, 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 the foundational scripture, or the anchor scripture we are, we, are, we are using is Acts chapter 4, verse 12. That says that the saints to do the work of the ministry. And we said that the saints means the holy ones. And the holy ones means those of us who have embraced the uncommon life. So what God is doing that he has called, he's calling us now that we have embraced the uncommon life to come and do the work of ministry. So you are praying that let me know Jesus. Now that you call me, let me know you. Let me know who you are, your person. Let me know your position. Let me know your influence. Because you see, if you don't know these three things, eh, you will stop ministry. <laughs> you will stop ministry. Pray that you and I will know him. Apostle Paul said that, that I might know him. That I might know him. 
Oh, that I might know him. God bless you for listening. Maranatha, the Lord comes.